Raptors back at it tonight against the Bucks. Game number four, the Eastern Conference Final, goes tonight at Scotiabank Arena. 8.30 is the start time, a little later start time tonight, so take note. And, of course, it was a very dramatic, very exciting double overtime win over Milwaukee to get the Raptors back into the series as they took game three. Here is Mike Arsenault. He joins us now from Global News on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Uh, Mike, uh, just give me your take quick, if you could, off the top in this double overtime game. How much is that going to hurt Toronto moving forward, particularly tonight, and in particular Kawhi Leonard, who looked pretty tired and kind of banged up at the end of Game 3? Hey, Jeff, I mean, it's not ideal. That was 52 minutes that Kawhi played in the last game. That's the most he's ever played in his career. Siakam, I believe, played right around 50 minutes. So it is going to be difficult for the guys to kind of rebound and be ready to go tonight. But, I mean, it was a good performance. They kind of dug deep and they showed that grittiness, that toughness that they have in the previous two series and to ensure that they wouldn't be swept in this series. But you have to think, going to Game 4, that Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to have a lot better game than he did in Game 3. So they're going to have to play even that much better to just not outlast uh, the Bucks in double overtime, but actually win this next game and send it back to Milwaukee tied at, tied at two. Yeah, it was a lot of minutes, and uh, Leonard looked to be limping near the en- end of Game 3. But what would you say, because I've uh, heard some fans and some online chatter that uh, this is why we went. Uh, the Raptors went 20 games during the regular season without Leonard and all this load management so he could be rested and ready to play this kind of basketball. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole point of the load management schedule. That's what the, the Raptors brass wanted to do, give Kawhi a little bit extra rest to recover from his injury, and so he would be fresh going into the playoffs. The only downside to that is as you kind of hold his minutes and don't have him play back-to-backs and stuff, not that this, this is a back-to-back between games three and game four, but he's not used to playing 52 minutes, and it's not just the physical stress, it's the emotional, the mental stress that had to be used up in that game three. What does this team have left? on home court to, again, they want to make sure that they even things up before going back to Milwaukee because if they lose tonight, I don't think there's any way we're going to see another game in Toronto this season. Mm, Okay, well, a lot on the line uh, tonight, and since we are speaking about load management, uh, let's shift our focus to the Blue Jays, who did a little load management of their own yesterday, Uh, Mike. Much to the chagrin of Jays fans, here was Holiday Monday, long May 2-4 weekend. A lot of people went to the ballpark who otherwise couldn't because of work and commitments, only to find out that Vladdy Guerrero Jr., uh, they held him out of the lineup? I don't understand it, Jeff, at all. Not only did they just hold him out of the lineup, but he was just named the American League Player of the Week because he had four home runs, he had over 300. I think he had a, a slightly percentage of over 900 in the past seven games. He really turned a corner, and then he has all that goodwill. Everyone's excited to see him coming home from the road trip, and you sit him in this first game. You mentioned it's a holiday Monday. I'm going to give you three numbers, Jeff, 45,000. 28,000 and 26,000. Those are the three uh, highest attended games for the Jays so far this year. 45,000 was the home opener. 28 was Vladdy's first game. Then 26 is last night, and you sit him. I don't understand what the management team is thinking by not having Vladdy play, at least in DH. Uh, last night, at least to allow the fans to see him up at the plate. You know, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. If you want to arrest him from the field, that's fine, but let him go up and have his hacks, and uh, that's what everybody's there to see, is to see Guerrero Jr. obviously uh, hopefully build one, or a couple maybe, even out of the park. And obviously it's a long, long season, and ballplayers deserve rest, but uh, why not rest him on the road when they go to, uh, I don't know, some place like Baltimore instead of a holiday Monday at home? Well, or not even just on the road. They could rest him this evening, right? It's a holiday Monday, and you don't really want management, the business side, to kind of make decisions 
or the product on the field, but there's not a lot to be happy about the Jays' season here in 2019. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is that one shining light, so I don't understand how you don't just have him in the lineup yesterday, sit him and if you need to, or again, have him DH released, give him a bat last night for the fans to, to see him. It just seems like a missed opportunity when there was nothing really else going on in the city. Again, we have the culmination of a holiday weekend. This was prime for both the TV and the live audience at Rogers Center to see the most exciting thing about the Jays this season. Okay, we're talking load management with Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Kawhi Leonard. Let me ask you, and maybe the logical extension here is the hockey team and the Maple Leafs. Is this something we're going to see kind of in more and more sports? Could you see a day where Austin Matthews doesn't play all 82 games or uh, Mitch Marner, that uh, load management comes to the NHL, where they don't want to see these guys banged up? Uh, I mean, obviously, hockey is a very hard physical game, a lot of contact. It's a tough, brutal game. Can you see them wanting to rest their star players on certain nights uh, to make sure that they're rested and ready for the playoffs when it really matters? I think for sure. I mean, as you just get more data in terms of the sports science, I think this will become commonplace, not just across uh, basketball, uh, baseball. I mean, you play 162 games a year, but as you mentioned, yeah, I could see it happening with Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, but I think hockey teams do it now just within the game. I mean, it used to be the star players back in the 80s and 90s. They'd be out there for two, two and a half minutes. But what does Mike Babcock always say? He wants you out there for a hard 40, a hard 45, and then get off the ice. And we discussed this a few weeks ago, Jeff, at the end of the least run of the playoffs. Why is that Austin Matthews not playing more than 20 minutes? It's kind of the same thing. It's that idea that you want to save these guys, but at some point you need to take the restrictor plate off and just let them go. I mean, we're trying to do that with Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors, but that might backfire because if his body's not used to playing the 52 minutes in double overtime like he just did, what is he going to have left to rebound this evening? Yeah, okay, but are things shifting and shifting significantly in the world of professional sports? Because I'm thinking way back to Joe DiMaggio said that he tried hard every game because he knew there was a kid in the stands who'd never seen him play or it was his first baseball game. Uh, Gretzky has famously said that uh, you know he tried uh, every night. That's why he amassed the amount of points uh, that he did, that he never took a night off. Is that mindset, is it shifting now in professional sports? I think it is shifting a little bit, but I think you have to just kind of look at the, the training evolution that has kind of gone on in all the major sports. Back then, the top players, Joe DiMaggio, Wayne Gretzky, they could just kind of dominate just by the sheer talent that they possessed, whereas I think now everyone is kind of looking for that extra inch. Everyone is in fantastic shape. You can have guys, the star players, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, playing 25 to 30 minutes a night out there a minute, a minute 15 because they won't be able to last because even guys in the third and fourth line are in incredible shape and you haven't seen that before in the four major sports. The, the level of, of uh, physical ability and just dominance that these guys are able to put their bodies through, it's just completely different like it was back then. So I don't think it's a direct comparable. All right, but what do they owe the fans? What is the league? What do teams? What is MLSC? What do they owe the fans? I mean, you're paying top dollar, and you arrive uh, one night. Maybe it's the only chance you've got to take your kids, your family, family of four to, to the game, and you sit down, and you find out Austin Matthews isn't in the lineup. Not because he's injured, but just because, well, it's load management. We need to rest him. I mean, should those tickets, I don't know, should they be discounted or something? I mean, I think you make a good point, Jeff, and I think there is a disconnect between wanting to win and the entertainment value for your fans. I mean, if we just look at Major League Baseball, it's kind of turned into all strikeouts and home runs. That's it. Like, a lot of people are complaining that baseball isn't exciting anymore. You have the shifts and all that. 
because teams are using all this analytic data to try and win. And that, again, goes to other sports. And if you're resting guys and stuff, the data is telling them they, they need to do this to win championships potentially, but that's at the, at the expense of the enjoyment level at the fans. So I kind of think we're kind of really hitting a, a tipping point here of just maybe science and analytics overtaking sports a little bit too much. Interesting stuff. Mike Arsenault with us this afternoon. Mike, thanks as always. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good one.